You're listening to Seamside, where we explore the inner work of textiles. I'm your host, Zach Foster, and today we sit down with my good friend, and probably yours, Heidi Parks. And before we sit down and chat with Heidi for a few minutes, just a couple of words of announcements. <laughs> We're, I don't even know what words of announcements are, but one... A note of gratitude. This goes out to all the good folks over at the Nook who make projects like Seamside possible. Thank you so much. I couldn't do it without you. And speaking of the Nook, we are having a B-L-A-S-T mm-hmm, over this new Destroy This Quilt quilt along that we're doing. We are trying things we have never tried before, y'all. I can't tell you the amount of comments that are blowing up my Nook inbox. People love it. People are stretching. So if you find yourself curious about how do I work with two types of energy at once in my quilt work? How do I work with creative energy, but also transformative or aka maybe sometimes destructive energy? And in the end, bring it all together into one project and make something beautiful. If you're up for that kind of roller coaster ride with us, I hope you'll join us. I promise you it's not too late. When I'm planning these prompts, I think each one should take one to two to three hours if you're a real workhorse, but no more than that. So even if you're joining this now, you can get caught up and be with us for the rest of the quilt along. It'd be a pleasure to have you with us. So check out the link in the show notes below to get started on the nook with Destroy This Quilt. And let's see what beautiful things we can make together this year. By now, you've probably heard that our good friend Heidi Parks is the 15th artist-in-residence at the Pfister Hotel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I know I talk about Heidi like everybody knows her, and if you've been in my orbit for very long, I'm sure you've heard me mention her name at least once or twice. We're both former public school educators turned professional work and artist and have been friends for almost a decade now. If you're not familiar with Heidi's work, she documents her life in quilts, tracking days, places, and memories through applique and embroidery. In this conversation, I call Heidi up and she gives us an inside glimpse to this new residency she'll be doing for the entire year of 2024. It's something she's tried out for three times before and never got it until now. She decided to take a break for a while and just when she did, you know how these things work, something unexpected happened. The Pfister Hotel reached out to her. So the last few weeks have been a flurry for her as she's having to transition from a home studio to a public space, all with a really quick turnaround. Over the course of various phone calls and text messages, I began to hear potential glimmers of change in Heidi's approach to art making. And so I invited her here to join us on Seamside so that we can document where she's at now in her practice and where she ends up by the end. So this conversation is perfect for anyone who's ever, one, applied for something and didn't get it. I'm raising my own hand here. Two, if you have any interest in setting up a public studio and what benefits and challenges that might bring. Or three, are you looking for a creative transition in your own life? I hope you enjoy this first installment of Heidi at the Fister. I'm wondering, Heidi, how you would set up this conversation for us. Would you like to talk about your studio practice and what it's been like up until now? I would love to. And I love your inspiration to create a podcast diary 
of this experience. As you know, I love to work with diary quilting and tracking things. So this will be a very special document to be able to look back on in time. To get you up to date with my studio practice, I was a high school art teacher for nine years, and then I shifted into being a quilter in 2014. So I've been doing this now for nearly a decade. My studio has always been a home studio, and I have very much enjoyed that as an element of domesticity and purposefully maybe even highlighting or leaning into that home studio element. There are a lot of things from my house that I trace or that I depict in my quilts, and I enjoy quilting on a couch or in a cozy, comfortable chair. One of the top things that drew me to quilting and away from my previous practice with ceramics and painting was that I could be in a living room and wear regular clothes or sweatpants and not have to worry about making a mess. And so one of the really interesting things that I'm looking forward to with this residency is the shift from a private home studio to not only a studio outside of my home, but also a public kind of a fishbowl studio. Oh, and Heidi, I want to dig into that with you here in just a minute. But first, what are we even talking about? Because I see this beautiful blue wall behind you. Where are you and how did you land here? The Fister Hotel is one of the most beautiful, historic, iconic hotels in Milwaukee, and they have an artist residency. When I first moved to Milwaukee and I was trying to get my finger on the pulse of the art scene here in the city, this was one of the first places that was easy to find as a hub for art. At the time, Todd Mrzinski was the artist in residence. And during that year, he was extremely friendly and welcoming, kind of like an ambassador to the city with this role as Fister Artist in Residence. The residency itself is a room, pretty large room, on the main floor of the hotel. And the artist gets to both display work in a gallery setting as well as make work. And they're there a lot. We're required contractually to be here about 30 hours every week and to have the doors open, letting people come in at least 10 hours a week. Heidi, you just got yourself like a almost full-time job. You're a working girl. I sure am. It's a, I got deja vu from when I was a high school art teacher. Major difference is I still get to be a night person and not a morning person. I get to set my own hours. And I get to choose when the studio's open. For example, right now, those doors are closed so we can record. And I am the 15th artist in residence. So they have had a robust tradition of artists in residence here. The first resident was Reginald Baylor. He is a painter. And he has a painting at the Milwaukee Art Museum. He's become an incredibly established artist and an important part of the art community here in Milwaukee. So you're number 15. Have there been any other textile artists before you, Heidi Parks? Actually, there have been a lot of textile artists. Most recently was Rosie Petrie. She is a quilter and made beautiful portraits of, in her quilts. So depicting a lot of people, I'm much more of an abstract quilter. She's more representational. Also in 2018, we had Stephanie Schultz, who is a fashion 
person. She's made incredible steampunk and Victorian clothing and put on a masquerade ball as part of her events that she put on. And then we had Nikki Johnson. She's a fiber artist with lots of mixed media. So sometimes she uses ceramic plates. Other times she makes art out of condoms. That's a piece, again, that is owned now by the Milwaukee Art Museum. Then the first textile artist that they had in the residency was Timothy Westbrook. You might recognize his name from Project Runway. He was the artist in residence in 2012 and made some awesome hand-woven fabric using cassette tapes. So Heidi, this is really a testament to, in my mind at least, trying and trying and trying. Because you've applied for this residency before, right? And you didn't get it the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I applied three times. And all times I did get to be a finalist. And that was truly an honor and a special opportunity in itself. I got to be part of a finalist exhibition. The last time that I applied was in 2000, the end of 2000. So I would have been the 2019 resident artist. And I just don't have enough energy to keep applying to all of the things every year. I'm sure you know that too. And I decided at that point to shift, try a new game, and I started applying instead to the Mary Knoll Fellowship. And I was a finalist for that two years in a row. And that was an exciting way to get to know a different part of the Milwaukee community. What would you tell yourself back in 2019 after your third rejection from this particular residency? And I'm asking probably selfishly because just this morning, my partner and I were in the kitchen talking about am I going to apply for this three-year residency that I've applied for in the past and was really excited about and made it pretty far, but then didn't get it. And it was such a blow that it's, it's hard for me to wrap my brain around it at the moment. But I'm wondering how it feels to be you right now sitting in the Fister Hotel after having three, let's say, failed attempts going into it. They were. They were failed attempts. And especially when they selected a, a different quilter, I had thought maybe they're just looking for something different from what I bring to the table. And I think a big part of how I've been successful as an artist and able to pay my bills full time is that, you know, I throw stuff against the wall and I see what sticks. And if this is something that's not sticking, better to divert, put my energy elsewhere. So as I think about you applying, you got darn close that first time. You got to the very last hurdle as a finalist. This residency I made it to alternate. Just, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, getting, getting it. this residency, you just either are a finalist or you're not, and then you get it or you don't. So I would say that clearly there is something sticky for you with that residency, where they're seeing some potential and. The I, I always like to put myself, spin around and put myself in the shoes of the institution or the place and think from their point of view, what are they looking for and what's balancing things out? And I started to learn, at least with the residency, that they've got, it's not like just an art fellowship, like the Mary Knoll Fellowship, where they're trying just to select the best most high quality worthy artist, whatever that is, if that's, you know, can even be ascertained. But looking for a Fister artist in residence is more complicated than that because they are looking to support a very talented artist, 
but they're also looking to create a special experience for their guests. They want a variety of types of people and subject matter. And so from their point of view, it, it's, it's just, it's complicated. And having that opportunity to see what slides in one year versus another year is, is really nuanced. Therefore, when, when I think about you applying, I think like, give them a couple chances to choose you. What worked out amazing for me is that I did let go a little bit of thinking about being the Fister artist in residence. I focused on other things. I was a finalist a couple of times for the Knoll. And then I thought, that's uh, several days of my life. It's kind of an expensive residency to, or a fellowship to apply to. And I thought, let me take a beat and see if maybe Heidi in five years or in 10 years is the person that would be a good fit. So having taken a beat from the Fister, they called me up and said, hey, are you potentially still interested in doing this residency? Because you're on our short list of people we're thinking about. And we had a few conversations and realized that it would be a wonderful fit. So this is not something that I applied to again, but them being in charge of their own residency, they don't have to do the application system the same way every single time because they've got a nuanced, wide range of things they're trying to achieve. So potentially waiting, like you're dating and someone calls and then you can't always be the one calling. You can't be in the blue with the text <laughs> messages all the time. So take a moment and see if that residency you're interested in, do they reach out to you? Do they think of you sometimes for other things? And if so, you're playing that, that dating dance of continued interest. And Heidi, that's something that just brings me so much joy when I think about this for you, because you have worked so hard and applied for so many things and for them to come to you in this situation, which is beautiful. Now, I've seen the pictures of the Fister Hotel, but you've walked through it. Can you kind of just give us a quick walking tour from the front door to your studio? Oh, yeah. It's really a magical place. You walk in, they have big, gold, beautiful doors. It's a tall, stone building. And then you kind of notice out of the corner of your eye that there's a tower growing out of that big stone building. And that's the newer section that was built in the 60s or the 70s. And once you open the doors, immediately you're greeted with a fireplace and people relaxing in the lounge. There might be a live piano player happening. You go in a little deeper and to your left is a pink marble staircase with two lions greeting you at the entrance of the staircase. And you go in a little deeper and you start to notice there's Victorian era art everywhere. There's a painting of a woman catching the stars in her scarf. There's a painting of a woman with a teapot and a pastry ready to greet you. There's a romantic couple under a tree underneath the concierge desk. And you look up and you're struck by a mural on the ceiling of cherubs dancing around in a circle. From there, you'll turn right. You'll pass the cafe where you can get a little pastry, a little coffee. Then you'll start to see the art's changing. There's some contemporary art. And immediately then to your left, you'll see two great big giant glass windows and a pair of French doors with my studio in it. And not just your studio, but your name 
Yes. And like, what do you, I don't even know what you call those kind of letters, but like cut out of something and installed in the wall. It's Oh yeah, permanent gold letters. It's professional. I'm just saying. Heidi Parks, all capital letters over that door. So then now we're in your studio slash gallery slash hangout space. It's a beautiful blue that you've had it painted. You've outfitted it with furniture and your work. Can you give us an idea of what that looks like and what that space feels like for you? Being used to a home studio, I wanted a slightly cozier feel than a typical art gallery. So you walk in and if I'm having a good day, you'll see me in a wingback armchair at a wooden table quilting or sewing or doing something with my hands instead of a computer screen. And at that moment, when you see me, there won't be any glass between us. There'll just be open French doors and we can strike up a conversation as you step into the room. I might then invite you to take a seat to my left in a blue velvet couch with a lovely wooden modern coffee table in front of it. And I went for a couch, number one, because sometimes I like to quilt at a couch. Number two, because I would like people to see my art as something that they can buy and invite into their home. And a quilt at first glance is a very large item. And you might think, I don't have room for art that big in my house. It could be in the art museum, but not my home. And that way over the couch felt like a nice classic place to put some of my smaller works of art, either the kind that's stretched on a wooden frame or just a 40 inch by 40 inch baby quilt size work of art. Then you'll spin around and that's an area that is likely to have an in progress quilt on it. I have my little piece of wood that I can pin my current work in progress to. And I like that as a way of helping people understand quilting. A lot of folks who come in, they might not know that the word or idea of quilt is the stitching that fuses the three layers together. They might think that quilt means the patchwork or the applique. So I can start to unpack some of that vocabulary for them and show them an in-progress quilt as well. But the funny thing, Heidi, is knowing your practice like I do, is you're not really a wall quilter, right? Like you don't necessarily (laughs) work with a design wall. You prefer to just throw things out on the floor. So this kind of, I guess, leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask you about, which is how do you see yourself inhabiting the space? I see myself being pretty interested in what it'll feel like to have a clear delineation between when I'm working and when I'm not working. That's one of the common challenges for the home office is I'm working, but then let me cook some lunch and then let me just change the things over from the laundry to the dryer. And that kind of back and forth, I think, serves me really well on a regular basis. But I think I it also has me wondering, do I work 40 hours a week or 50 or 60 or 80? I can't really answer that question because it's all intermingled. So by coming here instantly, then I know when I'm working and when I'm not working. And that I think will be fascinating. I can see how that would definitely be an asset, right? Because I know that the way I spend my time each day is really muddy, right? Like right now I'm sitting here with my computer talking to you for seam side, but the computer is sitting on top of a quilt that I'm working on with Amanda Nadig. And I've been working on that the rest of the day. So what am I doing right now? Like, I'm not quite sure, you know, so I can see how the distinction would be really nice. But I'm sure it also comes with challenges. I mean, I know one thing right off the top of my mind is 
when you were giving me the FaceTime tour of your studio the other night, you had a suitcase in the studio with you. And I'm like, are you going to wheel that back and forth every day? That's my plan. It's a, a little bigger than an overhead carry-on suitcase, but definitely smaller than the kind of suitcase I take when I visit you in New York. <laughs> yes. So it seems easy to me to have one place where I put all the stuff instead of a backpack and a tote bag and something else, as well as I don't look out of place in a hotel with a suitcase. It just rolls right on in. Like uh, It's a very fitting object to have with me. And I'm starting to create more and more duplicates of things that can be in the studio versus at home. I want to continue to be ergonomic with my arm. And to do that, I bought a separate detached keyboard for my computer so that I'm not uh, doing that laptop thing all the time. And the residency is allowing me to do that. They pay me a wonderful stipend to be here. I figured if I spend a month or two worth of my sister income on making this an elegant, seamless, easy place to work. That can solve that problem, and it's not a roadblock anymore. Today, I just installed a mini fridge because I am a fan of my sparkling LaCroix water. <laughs> but to, you know, to the point that I spend a lot of time cooking when I'm at home, something cool that I get to do here is they provide food for all of the staff. Everyone who comes in and works, they do not have to pack a lunch. They have a fresh, hot, cooked meal every time they come in. Um, I've had delicious corned beef meal, potato leek soup. It's a, a cool surprise to go in and wonder what the special meal they've prepared for me. Yeah, I often think that one of the things about going on residency that's just so liberating to like allow me to access my creative bandwidth it's just not having to think about food, right? Because those are three decisions every day that occupy, at least in my mind, quite a bit of space, which is why I tend to eat the same things over and over and over. And it's also why my least favorite question of the day is when my partner comes in the room and says, what's for dinner? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not thinking about food. So good. I'm glad they're feeding you well. But Heidi, this is my question for you. We have been on the phone a number of times talking from this very space, and all of a sudden I hear you start talking to someone who's walked in the studio, and I'm like, <laughs> y'all, let me just hang up the phone. Heidi can call me back. How do you see this public interaction impacting, influencing your creative practice? Oh, I think it's really cool, and I think that's one of the things that they knew about me that made them think, Heidi could be a good fit for this year, is that it's not just about the art, but one of the things that they were saying is Heidi can work clean, that I can have a studio, but then I can shake someone's hand, or I can be in the middle of making something, and I can drop my needle halfway through stacking up my running stitches in a way that someone painting or pouring resin just can't be attentive to the patrons at the hotel who come in. So there's some cool advantages. It's so easy for me to spend the entire day working on the computer and not so. And the fact that if a guest comes in and I'm at the computer, I have to stop everything. But if I'm sewing, I can keep sewing and engage with them simultaneously. That's my real dream that I'm going to be more productive doing more sewing here. That said, on Saturday night, I was here into the wee hours 
And it's like a bustling time. It's been fun to learn that for a lot of folks, the Fister Hotel is a local hangout. There's all these possibilities for where you can go. And it's fun to see them be delighted that among the things that are available for them in their evening is popping in here, seeing some art, and engaging in a rich conversation. And so partly, even though I was doing computer work, when people came in, I was so pleased to just turn that laptop lid down and chit chat. There were two cousins who came in and we must have talked half an hour. And they got so interested in the quilts and the techniques. And then once I started talking about diary quilting, they were fascinated by the ideas around cognitive reframing that I use and using that psychological storytelling tool to create something new. And it was an engaging, delightful conversation. And then when they left, I went back to working on module two for my quilt making course that I'm teaching online right now. I felt really re-energized and invigorated. And not every interaction takes that long. A lot of people come in and out in five minutes. And in that type of interaction, it's also fascinating because a lot of times they'll say, which quilt is their favorite? And it's been so interesting to see that there's a common thread there. There is a, quote, best quilt in the room right now. Which one is it? Magical thinking attempt number eight. And it's a black quilt with a lot of white on it. And it's a a love story quilt that I made about my partner, Bo, and I when we had our three-year anniversary. And now we've been a little more than four years together. So some nice space between when I made it and where I'm at now. And... Yet writing my artist statement for that quilt is sometimes challenging because I feel like I want to talk for two hours to help explain the quilt. But having that conversation in five minutes with someone who walked in is really helpful for me becoming more succinct, understanding the things that resonate with folks. There's a quilt in here called Verdant Aim Nimble Soften, and it's a diary quilt that I made for 2021. I was looking back at it and To me, I took the calendar and I just put the calendar in a perimeter, in a U-shape around the edge of the quilt. So for me, I can't not see the calendar when I look at it. It always looks like January in the top left corner and December in the top right corner. And there are a lot of people who look at it and ask me a question and say, how interesting. And then I say, oh, well, it's about 2021. You see January over here. And they, what? (gasps) Oh. Like like the amount of people who don't see the calendar discovering that I wasn't hitting people over the head visually with that. You know, I feel like the calendar is an archetype in my quilts at this point. There's calendars in probably half of them. <laughs> so even my dedicated fans, they probably see the calendar. But to know that an ordinary person off the street doesn't see that and get to ask them in real time is just invaluable knowledge at the way my quilts are hitting viewers and how to then create a deeper relationship with viewers and how to talk about my work. So every time I get someone popping in and asking me, it's not a waste of time or a loss of time. I feel like it's really deeply valuable information that I get to take home with me. And then maybe I can be more efficient when I'm doing all that writing on the computer. What's something you're hoping to get out of this year at the Fister? I think like I said before, I'm hoping that it's going to be a great defender of me spending time sewing. That's part of why I was already doing my quilt making course this year. And so those two things stacked on top of each other feels 
like I'm going to sew more large quilts this year than I have in a long time. And I'm so excited about that. I also hope to become more articulate this year. I know from just talking to some of the past artists and residents, they say all the time that it gave them more confidence, more language skills. So learning about that. Hold on a second, Heidi. Remember Um, that thought? Yeah. It's funny to hear you say that, Heidi, because I quote you all the time, especially on the nook when we're in sewing circle and things like that. We got on the topic recently of like elevator pitches and like how to represent yourself in a very pithy way to people and represent your work. And I always quote you. I say, I hear Heidi's voice in my head saying, always talk about your work. Never miss an opportunity to talk about your work because every time you're forced to articulate what you're working on, it gets a little smoother, a little more polished, and you see it a little more clearly. And so to hear you say, oh, I hope to become more articulate. Oh, we've all got our work (laughs) cut out for us. (laughs) Oh, I love that. It's so cool seeing which quotes resonate. And I, I yeah, that wasn't even the one I thought you were going to say. <laughs> oh, interesting. What do you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say about how if I'm out in public and someone asks me what I do, if I want to talk our ears off, I tell them I'm a quilter. But if I want a little privacy, I say I'm an artist and they leave me alone. <laughs> That's the other Heidi quote I share with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we still got, well, no, I'll save that story for another time. Okay. There was one more thing that you're hoping to get out? I'm hoping that this residency will embed me a little more deeply in the Milwaukee art community. There are so many different ways to get the word out about who I am. And one that's been easy the last few years is Instagram. There's so many people there. And it was earlier on easier to connect with the quilt world than the art world. And so now I've been catching up with the art world. But To be able to connect more locally with the Milwaukee community in particular, I've never been one to shy away from gallery night. You know, the connections that I can't yet even imagine that are part of my local community, I feel very enthusiastic about that this year. And we'll circle back. I mean, who knows how many times between now and the end of your residency, you and I will talk. But I'm really curious to witness both in private and public conversations how this experience is shifting and molding and shaping your trajectory as a professional artist. We're talking now because you're getting ready to have your first big public event coming up this week, right? Yes. This Friday is gallery night, technically gallery night and day. They happen four times a year in Milwaukee, January, April, July, and October. And the city's a buzz, and I am just beside myself with excitement to have them come here in the studio. I'm also going to be exhibiting at the Walker's Point Center for the Arts on the South Side. And in that exhibition, it's called Future Fibers. And it's got some incredible peers of mine in the fiber art realm. And to be able to say, hey, if you want to see one more quilt from me tonight, head on to that gallery night. It just allows me to keep making those connections and interactions around the city. All right. Well, we'll check in with you, Heidi, and we are rooting for you this year at the Fister. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to share with us where you're at now, and we look forward to seeing where you go from here. Thank you, Zach. It was so fun to make this official diary entry for the beginning of the year. I look forward to more. (laughs) 
I'm so excited for everything that Heidi has in store, and we'll see when the next time we talk is. Be sure to follow her on Instagram if you're not already, so you can see the images of the place that she's talking about and see firsthand the work that she's making while she's there. Between now and next time, I hope our paths cross again soon. Maybe, just maybe, you'll come destroy a quilt with us. Wouldn't that be something? All right. I hope you're up to something good. I hope you're sewing something good. And I hope to see you soon, maybe on the nook. Who knows? <laughs>